you have to grow. Welcome to another episode of Modern Growth. We've been a minute, man. G, what's going on with you, bro? Man, Kendall, what's up? What's up, man? I can't call it, man. It's good to be here. Another episode. Um, everything been good, man. Just uh, working away. 2020's been good. So, like we said, when we started the year, we wanted to be consistent. Um, so I've just been trying to find my find my find my flow and stay consistent with that, man. How about yourself? Yeah, man, more the same, bro. Just transitioning into this new gig, you know, seeing some ups and downs. You know, we had to be in Black and Corporate episode, you know, with um, our guest uh, sister earlier, one of our previous seasons, and, you know, had an encounter with that. So it's been an up and down year, but, you know, at the same time, we're just thankful for the opportunity to grow and get better. But, uh, you know, before we go any further, we have a great opportunity. We have a guest with us today that's going to provide some insight about COVID and the vaccine and everything that has been transpiring within this pandemic. So this is a personal mind. We went to school together. We have a great relationship and we're just thankful for her to come on today. So Carl, if you don't mind introducing yourself and telling people a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you all for having me on Modern Growth. I'm excited to be here. I typically tell people I do not like to talk about COVID-19, the ongoing pandemic, because um, a lot of what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is COVID-19 and the pandemic response and efforts on behalf of New York City. So a little bit about who I am and what I do. Um, I am an assistant director of communications and marketing at New York City Health and Hospitals. I uh, currently lead communication strategy for the largest public health system in the United States, spearheading the communication efforts for a new robust testing and contact tracing initiative under Mayor de Blasio's leadership. And so a lot of that is major briefings, speeches, and communications on behalf of our hospital system on all things pandemic response and health system preparations and updates. And as you all know, um, vaccination rollout and distribution is huge right now. And so I'm on the other end of spearheading communications about that as well. So um, I consider it an honor to be on Modern Growth today uh, just to talk to you all a little bit about the pandemic and how it's vastly affected all communities, but specifically our community. And thank you for having me. Man, that's quite the introduction, G. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? Like, quite the resume, too. And I'm trying to keep notes, you know, write everything down. Like, I didn't even know that. I didn't know responsible <laughs> for all that. Nah, that's, <laughs> like, that's what's I, up, Hey, man. I was... Nah, I've been on LinkedIn, like, you know, a couple of uh, times. I'm like, man, shit. I do this introduction, I'm looking at your resume, like, well, you know, I'm going to probably let her, you know, get her shit off. So that's <laughs> probably the safest bet. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, nah, Carla, it's, it's a pleasure to have you. Uh, we're super excited to have you on here. Um, I mean, t a million questions, a million questions for you. But um, we're going <laughs> to take it slow. We're going to take it slow, but be efficient at the same time. Um, um, like you mentioned, um, you know, everybody knows, obviously, the pandemic that's been going on, uh, COVID-19. Um, what we've been experiencing in the world, um, but, you know, specifically here in the U.S., um, and then how, you know, a lot of people have mixed emotions, mixed feelings about what's going on, um, but specifically uh, with the vaccine. Um, so I'm just going to start uh, like this. 
how how can we roll out a vaccine this fast um because that's really the main question that a lot of people ask is how could we possibly get something done this fast so um i i like to say i am not a medical professional but i will what i what I do is work with medical professionals and health providers on a daily to kind of communicate things like this. And vaccine distribution and rollout is something, something of this large scale has never been done before. In fact, vaccinations or vaccines take so long to develop a lot of times because of the amount of research and money that goes into a successful clinical trial. And so with this pandemic that we know has largely affected our everyday life, creating a new normal for us, as well as spurring a lot of economic loss, um, that's gonna move, get some people moving really quickly. And sure. the amount of investments that came from the federal government to do so is the reason that this has moved so quickly and we've been able to do this in such a short amount of time. As you all know, when there was an announcement that we were gonna need a vaccine. So many clinical trials began from top leaders such as Johnson & Johnson, Merck, Moderna, <clears throat> Pfizer, Biotech. We saw all of that happen really quickly. My first initial thought was, why didn't they pull all of their resources together to do it? Because there are different varied interests in them doing their own. But we mm. know some of those trials were successful and some of them were not. The bigger question with this is not how it was done, how quickly they were able to do it. It is how they're going to roll it out so that we can at least get 30% of the population vaccinated. And then on top of meeting priority needs for people who are in groups where they might have comorbidities, um, how do you serve vulnerable populations when there's mistrust with a, with a vaccine that's been rolled out so quickly? Mm, okay. Okay. So we're getting to the meat. <laughs> we're getting to the meat of it uh, very early. So um, first and foremost, I did see, I think, uh, recent um, data that's shown where, what, 3% of the population is vaccinated? I think 2 or 3% of the population is vaccinated. And at this pace, we, it'll take like seven years in order for, um, you know, us to be fully vaccinated. Um, what do you think about that? And like, do you think there's any chance that you know, we will see um, a faster pace where uh, the rollout or the different rollout will be better. Uh, I know more um, companies are contributing um, in order, into those efforts in order to get a widespread vaccination um, to, at a faster rate to the pop population. Like, what do you think are the things that will attribute to getting the, um, that vaccine out at a faster rate in order to get us to that 30% that, um, that you're speaking of? Okay, so I do think a lot of the efforts will go on behalf of the federal government. They'll have to um, make sure first there is a supply, as you've seen, um, Biden's administration from the jump initially came in and awarded money or paid money so that Moderna and Pfizer and Biotech, which are the main leading um, vaccines here in the United States, to roll out some more. So right now we're facing supply issues and that's not that's not just state by state that is a federal issue that they're facing supply issues so when you say that only three percent of the population is vaccinated um the entire population does not have to be 
vaccinated immediately. So for us to start seeing, you know, increase or for us to start seeing improvements in our everyday life. Um, mm-hmm. Every other vaccine rollout, whether it was polio, whether it was chickenpox, smallpox, and the measles, it was incremental progress, which got us to where we were. And uh, when people say they don't trust vaccinations, I always cite those because when is the last time you've heard someone had polio? You just don't hear it because the vaccine mitigates the chances of, it increases recovery after if you were to get it. And that's the same with the flu shot. And so for so us let me to stop get you back right there. Let me stop you right there. So break down exactly what a vaccine does, because a lot of us feel like, not a lot of us feel like, but a lot of people are under the impression that when you get a vaccine, that means I can't get it no more. Or that means, uh, you know what I mean? A lot of people don't understand what it exactly it is that a vaccine does. So explain to the people what a vaccine does and how it actually works. So... Okay, I'm going to try to, I'm going to say it in regular terms, and then I'm also going to say it in layman terms. So a vaccine is biological preparation to create an acquired immunity response to a virus should you get it. So in layman's terms is um, a vaccine is just helping your body fight off a potential virus when you get it does not mean that you're no longer susceptible to getting that virus. It just means that your chances, if you you actually get the virus, your chances of living, um, your chances that your body will fight it off and create an immune response to it is significantly greater. And so now that's why they're doing priority populations to get the people who will most likely not survive um, the COVID-19 virus Mm -hmm. if they get And those are people who do have comorbidities with chronic illnesses or diseases like diabetes, hypertension, high blood pressure, um, asthma. Those people and older people, you know, more elderly populations are considered more high risk. They are likely to, their body is more likely to reject it, especially if you have pulmonary issues. Well, issues with breathing, you're not, you're Mm -hmm. likely not going to be able to fight this virus off. And so as they're rolling it out, it is very critical that those populations are vaccinated so that we can help them build an immune response that they can survive. Their chances of survival increase after Mm -hmm. the vaccine. Right. And then we have the shots, right? So I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not sure if you know off the top of your head, but I think Pfizer requires maybe two shots or is that Moderna? And then, you know, so every company or, you know, whoever you get it from or get it through, you know, requires like a certain amount, like even a time a time frame after the shot, you know, where you have to either go back or, I mean, can you explain a little bit of that or from, from what you know, from what you're not, because uh, it's just a lot of information out there and somebody with like, you know, with your experience, your knowledge, like, this is great information for the people to really have a better understanding of rather than seeing on a timeline and hearing it from a confirmed source. So Pfizer and Moderna do require two doses. The the first, um, so I, I guess I can explain a little bit of a difference of what they do. And I mean, everyone, I'm not a medical professional. I'm not a health provider. I'm not a clinician. But I'm just a person who works in the space and done enough research on my own to <laughs> be able to explain Absolutely. it to you all. Um, but Pfizer and Moderna require two shots or two doses. Those ones 
specifically enter your system. So when people say, oh, they'll give you some of the virus. No, they give you antibody protections so that your body can fight it off. So what does that mean? What's the antibody protection? Whenever you get a virus, your body starts to create antibodies and that's your body doing what it is supposed to do, fighting off the virus. And so the people who participated in clinical trials, they they're they basically lend their bodies how their bodies reacted to it to science so that they can help create this genetically modified you know mm-hmm. way for them or biological preparation for them to help people like ourselves to fight off this vac you know the virus with the vaccine and so biotech is only one with Moderna and with Pfizer. That's basically antibody protection, teaching your body how to fight it off through a microorganism. I hate that I don't have some more simpler words. I'm so sorry, y'all. You got to give them the real. You got to explain it how you know it. And that's all we can ask for. And then... No, we charge an enrollment after this. We charge an enrollment. You know, we get some classes going. We're going to make some money, Carly. (laughs) Biotech is only one dosage. Um, This one... I, I haven't, I can honestly say I haven't done that much research because I'm not, you know, I'm not, that my universe, well, not my university, our hospital system, we don't offer it. So <laughs> we only offer two, but mm-hmm. um, this one gives you a different form or a different variant, basically, mm-hmm. and helps you fight it off. Um, it's considered to be a little less potent than the others because um, their clinical trial didn't in- in- include as many groups. So um, I don't want to speak down on it. I encourage people to do their studies, but clinical and lab studies say that Pfizer and Moderna will protect you against all variants of this, whereas Biotech still has a little more to go, but they only have one dosage, whereas um, Pfizer and Moderna, you take the two dosages. The The first one, you're great. After that first shot, you're okay. But the second shot increases your chances significantly of fighting against additional variants, mutations, microorganisms that might come, you know, should you get COVID-19. So with the new, um, I guess, strains or variants that have recently come out, um some of them coming out well i feel like the the one that was spreading throughout the university of michigan the new covid variant that was spreading throughout the um at university of michigan sorry um came out mm-hmm. after um the the vaccine was released so how can we be sure that um the vaccine will still fight this variant off yeah so with that um, more clinical tri- clinical trials are always ongoing, especially uh-huh. with something like this when you're, you work so quickly to build out something so comprehensive and robust. This is always ongoing. They're always recruiting people and especially people who have had um, COVID-19 already. And so with these new strands and mutations that come out, they use blood serum samples and they um, 
basically these samples uh, help you determine antibody activities. And they do this through serological tests. And those tests help them understand how to neutralize the virus. And those are ongoing through the clinical trials. And this is why they've been able to confidently say that Moderna and Pfizer are able, those, you know, through those engineered vaccines that they're able to stop the new strands or new mutations of the COVID-19 virus. So now my question you. is, I'm sorry about that. So now my question is, so there's, there's obviously, you know, there's, there's a slow rollout process because we got to get it to the people that um, have the highest, uh, that are at highest risk right now. So what is it that the people who can't get it at the moment should be doing in order to protect themselves? So I always say the core four, and, um, and this is like the same thing that was discussed early during the pandemic when we had no idea like how to protect ourselves. We had no idea what we were really up against. So I encourage everyone as we are going through this pandemic that you keep in mind the core four and that is avoiding public spaces and gatherings that all goes together um wearing facial coverings i.e a mask um and indoors and outdoors being careful not to utilize your hands to touch anywhere near your mouth your eyes you just don't want to do that at all um, because those that those are ways that the virus can enter your system. I know there's some on talks that it may be airborne and it's been CDC back and forth is not airborne, but you do not want to allow pathogens to enter your body through your eyes and your mouth. And that is the main way they do so. That's why facial coverings are so important. Do not leave home if you don't have to. Like we should be only leaving out for work, school, essential activities that includes medical care. I mean, we obviously, you got to get groceries. Those are ways that you continue to protect yourself. And if you are sick, seek medical care. You should go out and seek medical care. Um, I know that initially they were like, if you're not dying, don't go to the ICU. But Right now we're learning that people our age are not going to the ICUs and they're passing away because they think they could handle this. So if you have a, po a post-ox that can allow you to check your oxygen levels if you're at home and you have temperature, you should be doing that and being proactive, if not seek medical care. The sooner you get to a healthcare provider or a clinician, the better your chances increase of you fighting the virus, so. All right, one more time, the core four, if you could just highlight them. I know you explained them all. Can you highlight them real fast? Just hit them real quick. Avoiding public gatherings um, and, you know, just avoiding public gatherings. Um, also wearing facial coverings. Y'all, wear your mask, basically. It's simple. Wear your mask. Don't leave home if you do. This is why they were saying stay home. So three, stay home. Don't leave home if you absolutely don't have to. It's essential things only. And the last one, seek medical care. If you're sick, do not go outside and, you know, spread this thing further. Instead, just immediately seek medical care. I've seen that something recently said, but like we're seeing a decrease in, a trend, in trends as far as um, less 
people getting COVID-19 for like as of, as of late. Um, as that, because of a mixture of due to the vaccine, um, I know we have a variant going on right now, but I just want you to provide the understanding to our viewers that, you know, even though you may see these stats, like, like we are far from, you know, where we need to be as a country in order to get back to, you know, doing, avoiding those, those core four you talked about. So Listen, um, I think there's a lot of leisure. Currently. That, I live in Atlanta. Yeah. No, I, I where did you get that? Look, I promise you um, I saw it. I think we got to be careful with how we, we say it because the COVID-19 cases remain very high. I think what we're seeing is less people aren't passing away because the, the science behind how you treat it is becoming, you know, they're gaining more knowledge to how you treat it. But make no mistake, the cases still remain high, just less people are dying from the virus. And so I think it is very much still critical that we continue to do what we've been actively doing. I know we all got cabin fever. Everybody want to turn up. Everyone wants to go on trips and vacations. And I do think to a certain extent, those things can be done safely, but we still need to be, you know, cognizant that we're we're not out of this like I don't even think we're close every day you see the reporting of when we'll be out of the pandemic increase and I'm like these are critical years for us I mean mm -hmm. I don't know Gabe's age but I know like these critical years for you know as we had 30 I'm gonna have to roll it back as we get closer to 30 <laughs> um man listen we def we def not. I, I I think the latest thing that I seen was 2023, where we will be returning to our new normal. And at first they're like, oh, 2021, 2020, end of the year, fall, we should all be back at work. How many of us are physically back at work? I'm yeah. not. So work so. from home is the new normal, and companies are actually moving to that model, like or creating ways where there is at least a um it's a combination of the two telework. Some people are at the office workspaces are having to be redesigned to keep people mm -hmm. socially distant. And so that's why that core four, as well as that six feet of social distance and us being very vigilant about how we are approaching um, this virus needs to come continue to be the way it is. And with understanding too, like, I know we want to AA at brunch and at the club, but we got to do that safely. With respect <laughs> no, you got to, you got to run that down to uh, the people in Atlanta, you know, down here, they outside all the time. It took like Texas, it took a blizzard to sit them down. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't wish no blizzard to come through here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it might be good. Over here. You just never know. <laughs> uh, I was super straight. No, but I mean, I definitely, un I definitely um, understand, like you know, what that may look like as far as us getting back to what our new normal will be. And we've, like you said, we've seen, you know, we've seen optimism for late 2021, then we get pushed back to 2022. And you know, mm -hmm. I think that we need to get out of. We need to take it one day at a time and just protect ourselves, our loved ones, you know, our family, and so forth. You know, because. Uh, and control of what we can control, you know? I think that, you know, we've already seen, like you said, we've been losing some valuable years. Like this would be my, I turned 29 in about three weeks and this would be my second birthday in a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So, you know, like two years, you know, and these, I'm, like you said, I'm getting closer to 30. So, you know, you appreciate these things, but 
I think we got to realize, like, when we do go out, we see a lot of stuff on social media, people, like, in big gatherings, you know, big parties, things of that nature, and, like, the impact that it has on other people. And, like, you, me, and you had a conversation prior, you know. People are still sharing drinks, waterfall, sharing the same (laughs) cigarettes. And, you know, like, I can't believe some of the social things that we used to do prior to the pandemic, like... We really did that. You were sick. You really went to work. You know, people mm-hmm. had cake and ice cream. They literally blew they spit onto the cake. Like, you know, we we were some wild boys and girls. Like, we was out here. <laughs> so it's crazy to think that all of these things will, you know, this pandemic, like, has com- will completely change how we move moving forward, and rightfully so. Mm-hmm. So what do you uh, think that new normal will, will look like? You talk about the new normal. So, like, I know we mentioned like workspaces, you know, we talked about, um, you know, social gatherings. We talk about even, you know, how sports leagues are moving, you know, maybe like certain only a per, per percentage, only a certain percentage, maybe for capacity being a stadium. We're already seeing like, you know, I think negative COVID tests or um, a vaccination in order to even to fly mm-hmm. that we're, we're going to see rolled out soon. So what do you think that new normal may end up looking like or should look like? So I do think that um, I do think that we our new normal and navigating it will include capacity levels for pretty much everything. I think we will get back to the place space where we can go to movie theaters and we can go to clubs, but those will inc- include capacity levels. I think we'll get to the, the comfortable enough to return back to stadiums and return back to arenas and return back to concerts, but that it will be done in a socially distant way where we're required to wear masks, you're required to have a negative test and or provide your vaccination card, those things will become a part of our new normal. We'll see workspaces engineered to support socially distant. Well, we were initially moving to a place where it was more communal workplaces where they were like, open space, everybody together. Mm-hmm. No, that, that'll seem, that'll, People will be working for home as well. I also think that life as we know it, like on public transportation, those things will continue to change. Flying and going to other countries will be, that will change. And I think, I hate to say it, but I do think that um, tests, you know, tests that you take at home will become very, will become popular because most people just don't have the time to just go get a COVID test, as crazy as that sounds, that will be a more vi- another. Have y'all ever heard of GoPuff? Yeah. Y'all got GoPuff where you at? Yeah, they do got GoPuff. So but, I mean, on, people on GoPuff, that's right. You can get a uh, yeah GoPuff basically like just a, a a convenience store on an app. Basically, mm-hmm. they'll just bring you whatever you want. Uh, for those that don't know, but on GoPuff, they literally have like you can get a COVID at home COVID test. You can it's a hundred dollars. You can get an at home COVID test, and they be selling One of the out every day. New York City is doing is that they will like if you are in New York City, if you concerned that like I'm coming, say I go to Michigan and I'm coming back to New York City before I get back to New York City, they will send me a test ahead of time so that I can test myself and send it back to them before I fly and get back there. And I think we're going to see those stay at home tests even more. Uh, and we'll yeah. see prescription drugs delivered to our houses. 
Yeah, you're going to have to almost travel with a test. Like, you're going to have to take tests with you wherever you go in order to be able to do stuff. And I don't know. The crazy thing about that is exposure. You don't know when you've been exposed, you know? Like, right after you took the test, you you got COVID. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I've gotten one COVID test so far. um, And that was because, uh, you know, I onboarded at my uh, new job that I'm currently at right now back in November. And um, I was coming back from uh, South Carolina uh, with my girlfriend and, you know, they called me saying, hey, like, you know, stay at office for a little while. You may have been exposed to somebody who had COVID and it ended up being my direct report who I was training under. And, you know, she ended up getting ended up getting COVID and stuff like that. So, like, I haven't been back in the office since, you know, and we still get emails and, and so forth about, you know, hey, like this person that may have been, you know, exposed and stuff like that, you know, so we get emails and, you know, that will consider like, Hey, we may push this back. Like originally when I first started, there was going, we were supposed to all be back in office. I think in February 15th, now it's March. And then it was March. Now it's April. And then mm-hmm. it could be May. So like that just alludes to like that us transitioning and some companies are just being more, you know, more transparent and proactive about it. Like, you know, Google are just saying, Hey, we're going to see y'all in July or we'll see y'all in 2022, you know, work from home and, and, until then, you yeah, know, but the and fact that that has on that, real estate though, like the effect that has on like the commercial companies. So real estate companies that own these big buildings and um, you know, people are renting these big buildings from these real estate companies and they don't have their employees in them. Granted work is still happening, but these companies don't want to pay for real estate that they're not using anymore. And so then you got people that are getting to the end of their lease. It's time to renew. And instead of them renewing they're you know, they, they chalking it and saying like, all right, cool. Well, we just leave the brick and mortar alone. So people are moving away from brick and mortar and it's going all virtual, which is cool is we've seen the growth in technology. You got Google meet, you got meet.com, you got zoom, you got this, you got that. And so you got all these platforms. Teams, right but, yeah. yeah. But the thing, the thing that's happening on the other end is that somebody's got to take the L. So real estate companies have been getting shredded basically as you know, the transition is starting to happen to virtual. And so as, as much as, you know, it's been cool to see businesses continuing to thrive in a way of using technology and things like that. It's also been, it's been crazy to watch, you know, the real estate companies take a hit seeing as I, I have a brick and mortar. So, you know, we, we're in the, we're in the office every day. We're putting our hands on clients and things like that. So we have to go through a lot of different things as far as protocols to make sure that everybody's safe. But I wouldn't be able to run my business if, if we didn't have a, a space or we couldn't put hands on people. Um, so it is. I it's, think we will see a change completely though. I don't think, I don't think that the brick and mortar will completely fade away and the reason I say that is because like we look at the trends with companies like Google and Facebook and even though they say they plan to be completely virtual they have the money to still continue and have their spaces I just I think I'm a little bit more concerned about the smaller businesses who mm-hmm. are impacted mm-hmm. and might leave away from the brick and mortar and I also and I also think that is another opportunity for real estate to make make their spaces and how much it costs a little bit more sustainable and livable for people, um, for small businesses. It's an opportunity. And we've seen that with the housing situation as well. There's mortgage moratoriums going on as well as, you know, rent ones and eviction ones. So we're seeing that 
landlords cannot put you out right now. Banks cannot, you know, get you up out of there, no foreclosures. And so I think all of this is in place. So all of those industries aren't disturbed because the pandemic of 19, 19, 1920 disturbed every industry around. And so now I think we do have enough technological advancements to be able to foresee, like, you know, predict what we will come against. Because if you think back to that time, everything was completely disrupted. Now we do have these things like that to keep us. And that's why the vaccine rollout is so important because people do want to return back to work. I personally, I don't, I, I know some people love working from home, but this ain't for me. I respect I'm, My desk is right next to my bed. I'm two minutes from taking a nap every time I get off the call. (laughs) (laughs) You mean to tell me my bed in the same room and I can't take a nap? You know, Kendall, you know me. I'm a nap queen. Like, (laughs) I need to be at work. And I know people are like, work work smarter, not harder. Technically, if you're at work, you're people think that since you work from home, you're doing less work. More, you're more likely to do more work, and you don't got breaks to like you know really go outside and do certain things like you would do at work. Um, you're not getting as much exercise. This quarantine 15, they were talking about hit people hard. I mean, some for some people it was like the thirty. So. I think a lot of people do want to see us return back to workspaces. And as soon as people could get massages, they could go to physical therapy. I know for me, I hadn't seen the ortho from like February into May. They jumped at the chance. So I do think we should be okay on some fronts. Yeah, no, I I agree. I agree. I just think that, you know, a lot of things like, so for example, I'm saying, I was saying that about real estate just because, you know, Mm -hmm. demand is going down. And so then mm-hmm. the, the the value, the property value that was once on a on a piece of property isn't what it what it was before. And so that's killing the real estate companies as in a in a sense that, you know, the portfolio was valued at this rate and then now it's here. But I know that brick and mortars won't leave just because of the fact that education in mm-hmm. itself. So like these kids that are at home learning, oh man, they this is awful. This is this is terrible. I mean, I'm I'm watching. <laughs> no, for real. I, I was I was at home with my nephews. Um, I was at home with my nephews about a month ago, and just kind of watching them do school. And it's cool because for them, you know, I'm watching them kind of grow up and and seeing things from like more of a an adult perspective. Oh, I got to be back online right now. Oh, I got to do this. You know, watching them, you know, have to go back online and do things like that. That piece is cool, but I mean, they ain't learning squat. I mean, they, they, mm-hmm. all they can do, oh, I tried to send my assignment in and it didn't go through. You can't tell the kid that he, that he not working email the right way. Like, you don't know that. Like, he's, he's not. So, like, how are you going to tell him that he know what he's doing? Like, he, he just, he just found out about email last year. So, like, how, you know what I mean? So, it's, is brick and mortars is, is definitely not leaving completely, but it's going to be interesting to see how this transition goes because, like y'all said, you know, they saying we're not going to be out of the pandemic until 2022 or 2023. And I, these, I don't know. But my question Look, to you, Carla. That's, that's a good point, Gabe. Yeah, my, my question to you is, 
what does out of the pandemic mean? You know what? I just compare it to what it looked like when people were out of the pandemic and um, during, during 1920, 1919, 1920. I think out of the pandemic means that we've successfully gotten the virus under control and we're seeing less transmission among our populations and especially the more vulnerable populations. It means that we have treatment so that people could go about their normal activities. Um, I do think that we'll be like when SARS happened, people will continue to wear masks for a while. But I do think that masks aren't going away anytime soon. And so when people think of out of the pandemic, I do think that out of the pandemic is just um, us returning to where we were where we're not doing all of these, um, the core four, where people are vaccinated. And if they're not vaccinated, um, they're taking the proper precautions to protect themselves. I don't know if you all know anything about the science of some of the um, drugs that they're using to help with COVID-19, but an example would be remdesivir which is somewhat of a steroid, anti-steroid treatment that significantly reduces the time in which you recover from the virus. And that's like something that they, you could take almost immediately and they offer it to you when you get to the hospital, they'll say like, do you want this treatment? And I always recommend, I have had family members who um, had COVID and were in ICUs and I would say, please take that, you know, take that if you can, because that would help and help with breathing, difficulty breathing. And so I'm thinking on the forefront of science that we're gonna see more treatment like that become available and they're working towards it now. And then of course the vaccine, and that's why people keep saying the vaccine, vaccine. Also seeing more robust testing initiatives to make sure testing is at our fingerprint, our fingertips rather. So the biggest thing that I'm hearing is that, you know, if we're embracing the fact that we're going to be in this pandemic for the next, you know, embracing. two or three years. <laughs> well, accepting. I mean, we're accepting, accepting, accepting right? <laughs> accepting, Not embracing. embracing, you know, maybe embracing, never embracing, but maybe accepting the fact that we're going to be in this pandemic for the next two to three years at the very least. And we have this vaccination rollout at the same time mm -hmm. where there's a lot of distrust within our community. So let's talk about it like, what do you think needs to happen to establish that confidence within our community to save ourselves, to put ourselves in a position to maybe take that vaccine to not only protect ourselves from ourselves and the, the coronavirus, but also from our loved ones as well? Because, you know, if that vaccine may not just be for you, but it may be to protect those loved ones around you, you know? So, I mean, what do you think needs to happen uh, within our community and the conversation that needs to occur because we hear about the Tuskegee experiment and you know there's a lot of distrust within our community so where do we start in order to establish um, some confidence in order to turn that trend because at some point we need to be responsible and at least you know not be so um, close-minded when it comes to this vaccination. I think public health education will be critical and I do think there needs to be a full out campaign targeting our communities specifically because if we like just go to the numbers and we're being completely transparent here i mean you all can fact check me you can get on the internet and find this yourself but black hispanic and native american population or people 
are four times more likely to be hospitalized from the COVID-19 virus and nearly three times as likely to die from it than our white counterparts. I'm trying to be um, PC, than our white mm -hmm. counterparts. Yet we have the lowest numbers of vaccination. And a lot of that comes from mistrust. And I always say that technically the mistrust that our communities have are completely valid. And I know that you cited the Tuskegee uh, Airmen experiment. And I always want to say, or the Tuskegee experiment rather, I always want to say, I ask people when they mention that, I'm like, how much about it do you know? Because I always want to be for, you know, coming and say, they did not inject them with anything. In fact, they just withheld treatment from them. That's like them knowing that these men were infected with syphilis and not treating them, cons consciously not treating them so that they could gather more research. And that was a true disservice to those individuals because, you know, some of them eventually succumb to syphilis. And, and when you think about that, that is enough for a community to not trust you. Or if you think about how Native Americans were living among this earth and they were doing pretty well, you know, holistically until they started to encounter some of the diseases from Europe. And so, and even then, they continued to constantly get infected by some of those diseases that they had never experienced. There is rightfully so a reason for us to be distrustful or the vaccine. And specifically, I know that people are hesitant because safety concerns, this is so new, like, how do I know I'm going to be okay? I could just take some sea moss, some elderberry, all of these things are from the earth. But I, I think the true way that we'll be able to combat it is through public health education. People will have to get the knowledge and they would have to come to this on their own and like do their own research so that they can know this. But a lot of this is just going to be them making us more understanding about it or more knowledgeable about it. Because think about when HIV came. People literally mm. thought they couldn't shake hands with people. Like they, yes. they, there was so much misinformation going around. Like, oh my God, if I kiss this person, I'm going to get HIV. And we've come so far from that. Yeah, like we've come so far from that, like completely far. And I mean, that's why people think that HIV is completely limited to the LGBTQ community because of all mm -hmm. that. People like if you were, um, gay, bisexual, you know, queer questioning, transgender, any of that back in the day, there was an automatic assumption that you had automatic assumption that you could have HIV. And we've come so far, far with just public health campaigns, um, creating treatment that could help lessen the sim symptoms, also help lessen transmission with things like PrEP and PEP. So I think that we have a long way to go, especially as it relates to the African-American community being hesitant about being vaccinated right now. And I think if we get the right people behind it, I see in a CVS, Walmart, Walgreens, all of them have like quickly stepped behind and like, what can we do to like help with this vaccine rollout? And that's pouring mm -hmm. our resources together and to make sure people know everything they need to know so they aren't distrustful. Sorry. Yeah, I think the big, 
No, no, no. I think the biggest thing is that you're trying to explain is that, you know, people have to understand like the difference in knowledge and knowing something. And, you know, this is why we have you to provide a lot of knowledge with the, with you having such a, you know, um, with you having so much insight within, you know, the COVID-19 and all its effects and because of your job description and what you do, because a lot of people see, you know, something on Twitter or something on like a common social networking site. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, false information going around, you know, we're in a pandemic. So everybody has an opinion. Everybody thinks about this, you know, people are a lot of information getting spread out, but and this is where we have the mistrust also within mm-hmm. the community because like you, people mentioned the Tuskegee experiment, but they can't tell you a thing about it. All they know, oh. that they, all they know is that the Tuskegee experiment is something that happened at the back that didn't benefit the black community. They couldn't tell you when it happened or anything or any details, but, and this is the information that, you know, is going to, you know, give you the knowledge to make those informed decisions about protecting yourself and your family, you know? So I think that we, especially at this time, have to do a better job of being responsible and seeking the right information at the right time so we can um, not only make the right choices for ourselves, but for the ones around us. I agree. And like to piggyback on the Tuskegee experiment, I completely understand why people have issues because they were promised treatment and they didn't get it. If we want to take it a step further, I don't know how familiar you all are with Henrietta Henrietta Lacks, but that is another instance in which like uh, science- Break that down for us? Because I have no idea what that is. So Henrietta Lacks is an African-American woman where her cells were utilized for various experiments and research to help them advance what we know about modern, you know, modern diseases that we are currently dealing with now. Mm-hmm. Um, her family had no knowledge that they were going to use her, her cells for any of this. And they went without financial compensation. So they never agreed to her cells and her body being utilized for medical research. And they never received financial compensation for it. And so the whole Henrietta Lacks situation is always cited as a reason why people are mistrusting. She had cancer for background and her cancer cells were utilized. And she is like the first immortalized human cell line that gave way to all of the research that we did we do now a black woman who passed away in 1950 crazy 30 years old passed away in 1950 and um i i don't want to say it incorrectly but um her cells are considered immortal because they were divided um a, a limited amount of times to give way to the research that we know now and wow. maintained in various environments and laboratories. I didn't, I, I, I never knew anything about now that. Check so. out The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. It's a movie and a book. Oprah brought a lot <clears> of <throat> you know, attention to it. We got to see what that said. That's not on Netflix. It can't be. But it's somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where it's on Netflix. No, it's probably on Hulu or something. You know, Hulu got all the documentaries. You know, Hulu get you together. Yeah, trying to watch remember, she was a black woman. She was 30 years old, maybe 30, 31. I might, I might be getting that wrong, but she was a tobacco farmer. And you know what we know about tobacco being linked to cancer. She got cancer. She passed away and they utilized her cells and her cells are considered 
immortal. And that's a, this give, gave way to a lot of medical and scientific research and a lot of informed consent. That's why right now when, we're pa when people pass away, they're donating their bodies to science or saying they want to, so no one could just go and do that type of thing. They, they could never do that again. So to so. bring this full circle, um, just since you just mentioned cancer, um, now I have to ask, cause I know that a lot of the people listening to this are thinking the same thing that I'm thinking. And that's, if we could pull together all of these resources this fast and, you know, this short amount of times, so COVID-19. So since 2019, uh, we were able to pull together these resources in order to pr produce a vaccine, um, such as what we've done, um, two, threefold, like we have with, um, Pfizer, Moderna, and Biotech. How in the hell have we gone this long, um, still dealing with, you know, you know, cancer still, still here, um, HIV, AIDS still here, um, all of these other things that, I mean, we've been dealing with, I mean, they're, they're, they're not, you know, widely affecting as many people because they're not necessarily airborne, but they're killing people and they're just as serious. I mean, they're, they're pretty serious as well. So, and we and we spend all this money, like there's national cancer institutes, like, you know, mm -hmm. there, there's, there's institutions solely devoted. These people spend their entire lives studying a specific thing. And yet, and still we got nothing. Mm-hmm. So how how can how can it be justified that you know we can pull all these resources together to help fight against COVID nineteen yet cancer still real HIV still real AIDS is still real and nothing we got nothing. Dang, you are leading me into conspiracy territory now. Oh no Dang. no trust me I'm taking you there I'm taking you there I got a point I'm taking you there. <laughs> I I feel it completely. I'm, I'm I have those same thoughts, and there are surveys that say most Americans truly believe like that we there there is a cure for cancer, and there's a cure for HIV, and there's one for AIDS, and they believe that big pharma is specifically um, withholding that because it's not beneficial to their pockets for there to be a cure. And the way that they make profit and how they profit, I, I truly believe that it could be true. That could be true. But also I, I go from another lens, another lens or perspective is if they did have a cure, they probably would charge an arm and a leg and nobody who truly was those affected populations probably would not ever be able to afford it anyway, because that's how much they would charge people for it. Right. Because financially. I'll just, I'll just you know, yeah, financially, yeah. nobody would be yeah. able to afford the treatment. No, I hear you. Because like, it's more of a because this like, is more of a volume play. Because if you if you think about mm -hmm. it from a financial standpoint, you know you're going to get this many so many vaccines over and over and over and over. It's a volume play, so you'll be able to sell based on volume. Whereas HIV, cancer, it's not that many mm -hmm. people that have it, so therefore it, you won't sell as many. So you have to hike the price up so high that everybody can't afford it. I I, I, I could kind of get that, but. To kind of continue down this rabbit hole, I'm taking you. Um, my my question is, based on everything that I just said, you know, us dealing with, you know, cancer, HIV, AIDS, all of that stuff. 
either we've been lied to our entire lives or we're being lied to right now. <laughs> so I'm gonna, oh, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say something here too. HIV and AIDS, we have seen a significant improvement in terms of life expectancy. There are treatments and there have been so many advancements where people can leave, live a practically normal life. You could mm-hmm. take PrEP or PrEP is pre-exposure to HIV so that if you were, if you were constantly taking this medication that you continue to go about your life virtually undetected and you your likelihood of transmitting it to someone else decreases almost 90 percent and so we see populations of um men having sex with men msm as they occur they call it where they are committed to taking what i consider a birth control for men so that they don't have to be as they should still be being safe, but so that if they do come into contact with someone who has HIV, their chances of getting it is practically slim to none. We see that Magic Johnson is living a very normal life, completely undetectable. Like if you were to take the test right now, the virus has completely significantly decreased in his system. And so we have seen that. And I will say, the reason that it's so difficult with cancer is because there's not a single cure for cancer. Um, cancer is the sheer complexity of cancer alone, which, which is what makes it nearly impossible for them to find a cure for cancer. You see that the likelihood of you living from some cancer is, you know, you'll be okay. If someone says, hey, I have, you know, breast cancer, you're like, oh, my auntie had breast cancer. She lived. You got this. You got this. Because that's how oncology is. But as soon as someone says, I have pancreatic cancer, you like, mm, you in your head, What's like, it's not, looking too good. Yeah, it's not looking too good for you because it's about the amount of research and development yeah. that goes into the understanding of some cancers like Hodgkin's lymphoma. People live from that all the time, especially if they catch it, you know, very quickly. And that's one that impacts your lymphatic system and stuff. So like, it just depends like on what they've done. But I do know now that there's been so much misinformation during this entire pandemic. At first we weren't supposed to wear a mask. At first it wasn't airborne. That there's even been talks about the numbers being skewed about how many people have passed away. So when people say things like that, I, I think that I, I think that they, our right to question like what makes this different and i think what makes this so different now is because economically everybody's impacted i think that's like people cancer will affect only some people like this right now even though only some people will pass away from covid Nobody, we we haven't had anyone since the introduction of 1918 to 1920 of the influenza pandemic. We haven't seen as many people die so quickly. So that's what I think makes this this like more serious because we know cancer survival rates have doubled in the last 40 years. HIV and AIDS survival rate have nearly doubled in the last 20 years. So this is just a little different, and I feel like they're poor appearing all of pouring all their resources into it. But I sure as hell hope like you all that we haven't been lied to because 
I mean, people's lives have significantly changed. Learning loss for kids, um, emotional well-being and um, mental health mm -hmm. and, and impacting them or everyone. And we'll be dealing with, and the people who have COVID-19, we have not even begun to see the lasting impacts on them, their health that mm -hmm. they'll have. COVID toes, people losing their eyesight, people cannot walk up the stairs, a flight of stairs without losing their breath. So they're gonna see cardiac issues, you're gonna see pulmonary issues, you're gonna see vision loss. Some people haven't even recovered from losing their senses. So it's just like, we just don't know. Like, so when you, back to the question earlier, like what does out of the pandemic look like? We might be out of the pandemic, but we don't know we still have yet to even been able to fathom the the lasting impacts we'll only know when we get there yeah and yeah i think the, the go ahead uh, well the biggest thing for me is like you know like uh carla was saying about the difference is that this is this spreads so much faster um it's so much more contagious so you know i think that is all, another reason why the efforts to you know collectively put together a vaccine you know, from all of the, you know, previous companies that were mentioned, you know, happened because uh, it affected everything so fast. You know, you have people and not even you have the death race. And then like Paula talked about, alluded to, like people are still learning symptoms. Like we don't even have a complete list of symptoms. Symptoms have changed from, you know, from one uh, quarter of the pandemic to another and you know now first it couldn't be on surfaces now and then it could be on surface like it's just something that you can't detect and really have a gauge on and have any control over so i think and that's the biggest difference for me when it comes to talking about you know cancer and such because even though like those it's, it's been like just further research done where like carla said like it's better life expectancy you know, in order to like tame tame cancer and uh, you know increase the life expectancy. H well, um, well HIV and AIDS, well HIV and AIDS for sure, but there are like you know um, treatments for cancer as well yeah, that I mean, you know I'm that extended their their life expectancy like further than what it would have been prior. But you know, for, from, but like from, we're still seeing. Well, well, I'm saying we're, we're still seeing like a lot of those effects where like I've even seen Jason Tatum say like he has triple breathing at times, you know, so like I think if you were talking about attacking the respiratory system, like this is something that, you know, is obviously going to require a lot of attention from, uh, you know, the federal government and the entire world. They put yeah. the world on pause. The only thing that I'm accepting in this instance is that it's a financial play. And that the only way that we rolled it out so fast is because of the volume that we're able to bring in dollars with. That's why that they was able to do this the way they was able to do this, seeing as the world is going to need it and they'll be able to get the numbers that they need financially from it. It's the only the answer I'm accepting. Gabe, Big Pharma can, could not possibly hide a cure for cancer. The scientific improbability of them being able to hide a cure just does not exist because we all know somebody who's gonna tell somebody who's gonna tell somebody. There is too much work that goes into in, those people into, get off. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but you know you're in the rabbit hole. Those people get off, but what they do, they tell somebody before they get off. That's why I don't I think it's like really hard because think about it. Like when you know you got a secret, somebody tell Kendall. 
Kendall might pillow talk with his girl, and this is just we know telephone how it goes. And so you. if somebody but, gonna blab, I always say it's gonna be somebody to blab. Think about how we've been able to get far so far. Whistleblowing just exists. So yeah, it would but be, think about think this though. Like I, if those so cancer doctors, they get paid a shit ton of money because they're researching this crazy disease that's affecting people, you know, the way it's affecting people. If I'm going to pay you this type of money, I'm going to control the pace that you're going to work at. And but, so, go ahead. I, no, 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 I ain't saying I'm, 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 I'm just saying that's just the way I see it. I just think. You know, I, mean, I always, I like to play devil's advocate too. I respect it. What about, what about the fact that pharmaceutical companies invest millions and billions of dollars into the development of new drugs because they know that they'll get profit from it? So I, this is why another reason why I'm like, okay, they developed this. Somebody going to pay for it. Someone will pay for cancer yeah. treatment. Someone will pay for um, HIV tr complete treatment of it. Yeah, but one so person versus I, I, I million, know. billions. Like, you think about it. Like, you got... You only got, cause, because like we said, cancer treatment is going to be really expensive, right? So you only got a small sample size of the people that can afford it. And then ain't nobody, your insurance company ain't going to do that if, if it's that, if it's really that high, because then you still going to end up coming out of pocket a ton. So therefore, exactly, exactly. So then that's going to roll over and that's going to be generational debt at that point. So, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So then it, it puts everybody into a bond. Why not just give y'all, just keep coming up with different treatments in order to slow it. So that way, you know what I mean? You still got to come pay for these treatments, which is going to slow it. I'm never going to give you a cure because then I'm going to end up ending what's, you know what I mean? What's fun, you know, what's funding these high ass salaries for these doctors. It's something that's always going to be on your mind. You always going to think about it. And then, I don't know. I could go all day about. I could go all day about also, this. So, like, I, I also think oncologists and doctors they don't really play as big of a role as we think they do. I think that when we Very get true. it, it's chemists, it's scientists, it's the re, the researchers. The the scale of an operation to hide something. I mean, that's the to create something like that would be too big, and it would be like really hard to hide. I think that there have been medical advancements towards it. But I don't think they're nearly, they're nowhere near uncovering what they need to know about cancer. Cause yeah, I feel like every day, or not every day, but we, too many people pass away from cancer. And a lot of people do pass away because treatment is not affordable. And realistically, we are, you know, African Americans, people who are low income they are more likely to pass away and not get treatment. And a lot of that is because we don't go to the doctor as often as we need to. Me and Kayla, my, our running joke in our household growing up was like we would have to be coughing up blood to go to the doctor. Some people had it where their parents would always take them to the doctor, but my parents was coming up with home remedies like, uh-uh, you got the pink eye, we're going to put some of this on there, we're going to rub it on, you good. You know, like, you sick, we give you some tea. Instead of an urgent care visit, you know, even now I'm sick as we were doing this and I'm, I haven't went to see anybody because that's how long we prolong care. Core four, core four. Yeah. True. 
Come on, coach. <laughs> you telling us core four. You ain't. Uh... No, listen, listen, listen. I don't really leave this house. And I also don't have COVID-19. I get tested regularly because I work at a hospital system. I have tonsillitis. So okay, that's okay. completely different, completely I unrelated. I if I had COVID-19, I wouldn't even did this this with y'all because I don't think I could even talk about it. <laughs> oh, my God. No, that would be traumatizing. Right, I had and I will let y'all know, for from somebody who had COVID nineteen early in a pandemic, people not lying when they say that you going through it, and then it's this this myth that if you get COVID nineteen, you cannot get it again. Antibody protection only lasts three to four months. Y'all heard it here on Modern Growth. Whoever, <laughs> yeah, three to four months. So you, you could get it. it <laughs> COVID will run it back. So <laughs> keep that in mind. That is wild, man. That is wild. So, I mean, I think, I mean, we covered a lot of great information today. You know what I mean? And Gabe's going to have me doing some research after this. Yeah, Gabe, Gabe in a rabbit hole right now. He got me in a rabbit hole. I just like to keep y'all thinking, man. I work in the hospital system. I'm supposed like to be to trusted with clients. Hey, man. So listen, like, you know, we've covered a lot of great information today into this podcast about, you know, COVID-19, the pandemic and ways that we can protect ourselves, you know, um, having a deep dive about the, the vaccine and addressing that within our community and, you know, how we can change that conversation by, you know, talking about this common knowledge we have within ourselves and talking to um, public, uh, public health professionals like, like Carla alluded to. So um, before we wrap it today, I really want to talk about something that you know, we've all been going through in this pandemic and something that we take pride in um, here on Modern Growth, and that's the mental health. So, you know, like, let's talk about the mental health for a quick second about, you know, in what ways do you feel like, you know, the um, pandemic has affected your mental health and what, and what are you doing to, you know, combat those things? Um, I know it's an everyday struggle. You know, I know, like you said, one day is never like the other, you know, and um, like you alluded to before, you know, like, we, we both were work from home, you know, my, I sit at the, at the kitchen counter, you sit right by, by, by the bed. And, you know, like sometimes like I'll end up working until eight o'clock because I don't have the specific structure to maybe to work like diligently, you know, within those hours and time frames. So you just unconsciously spread it out during the day. So like, um, it's a number of things that, you know, everybody's going through from that perspective. So like, let's talk about a few things that, you know, you have went through and like, you know, how are you, um, coping with those things you know during this pandemic so i'll be honest and say you all caught me at a great time to do this because there was a point of time where i started my day at maybe 6 a.m and it was not over until 11 p.m and i was over dated with everything COVID 19 so i would get inquiries so a lot of what i do is i serve as the spokesperson for the hospital system or one of them out of, of three and um i would just be answering media inquiries from wall street journal new york times la times you know everything about the pandemic how many people have passed away what are you all doing at, with more capacity we see you all have refrigerated trucks how are you disposing of COVID-19 bodies? It would be so much and like to know how at one point New York City was the epicenter within the epicenter. I don't think I had a normal day that entire time. I would literally 
just, you know, like just pray, like, how am I going to get through this day? Like just taking it day by day. And I even think during that time, I had wine every single night. I know a lot of people been coping with alcohol, like throughout the pandemic. And I also think this has made a lot of different people, including myself, confront some very like some issues I had within myself before the pandemic, because I'm stuck to deal with them alone this pandemic initially created isolation for a lot of people. And for me, I was completely lonely as if, cause I'm new to New York city. I've been living here almost three years now, but like, I never like truly found my tribe. So I was just going through life alone initially from the, at the start of the pandemic, zoom, FaceTime, all of those things have made it easier, but I just worry about people who don't know about, healthy coping mechanisms or techniques. I was able to like, I was in therapy before that, but I was able to be like, hey, I need to come back during this time. And they said that there's been a significant increase. (laughs) They said there has been a significant increase in people seeking therapy. And I'm always gonna be an advocate for people getting, going to therapy. Suicide has also increased during the pandemic so that we know that this is real. And I can speak for so many people where you just like, there's a lot of WTF moments. Like, I can't believe we're here. A busy day out, you could easily forget about the things you got going on inside your head. Like, you could be like, oh, I'm going to happy hour with Kendall and Gabe. What's good? You know, you can watch sports in an outside setting. But like, a lot of us, man, had to sit and really face ourselves and sit with the things that we avoided for so long. And that includes myself. I, I feel like I'm 110% better than I, who I was when I entered the, the pandemic. And I don't even think I was bad, but that's just how intimately I've gotten to know myself through therapy and understanding just in this time alone, because it has not been good. It's been some good times a lot of good times but a lot of it has been like really forcing you to deal with your stuff Mm -hmm. and also i love i love the title modern growth i love it i just throw that in right there so i'm gonna ask y'all how have you all coped with the pandemic and the mental health you want to go first yeah i don't mind um so for me uh everybody on that listens to the pod knows that i'm an advocate for uh therapy um, I, I go to therapy every week, don't miss a week, um, just because it's, it's that important to me. Um, I dealt with a lot transitioning from uh, playing football. And when I start, when I made that transition, it was difficult for me um, just because of the simple fact that I had got used to, you know, living life a certain way and living under a certain structure for so long. And once that structure was gone, um, that, that, that type of drastic change, um, it takes a toll on a person. And so I didn't really know what was going on initially. And so I, one of my, but one of my boys basically was like, man, I'm going to therapy, bro. You might as well try it out. Our insurance coverage is go see what's up. So I did it and I just haven't looked back. I ended up, uh, I ended up stopping for a little while. And it's one of those things where like, when when life is going on and you kind of get into a routine and you just kind of see things for what what they are on the surface and then you stop doing something within that routine 
And then you'd be like, damn, what's going on? What's, what is, what's missing? And then I realized that I wasn't going to therapy no more. And I had to just reconnect and get back, get back to, you know, putting it all on the table so that I could, you know, continue to try to figure it out. And that attempt to figure it out has been just one of the greatest things that I think I've done. And like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate for therapy and just, you know, understanding the importance of mental health just because of the fact that um, without me, you know, focusing on my own, I wouldn't be on here doing this pod right now, just to be, just to be honest with you. That's real. Yeah, bro. That's definitely real. I mean, I definitely can relate to, um, you know, some, Sometimes some from uh, some sentiments you both guys you guys both alluded to, but for me, um, a lot of transition. You know, picked up some good habits and some bad habits. You know, during the pandemic as well. And I think that when Carter alluded to, you know, having to face those demons and really having that alone time with yourself, like creating that intimacy where like you are faced with that person in the mirror, you know, every single day. Um, and you know, having those conversations with within yourself or those quiet moments within yourself that reveal. So things that, you know, within yourself that you need to address, you know, um, whether they are good or bad. Um, I think that I, there's a lot of opportunity and has been a lot of opportunity for growth within thyself um, during this pandemic. And I feel like there are a lot of ways that we can look at this pandemic. And, um, you know, I think, like I said before, we need to accept the fact that this is the place that we're in and we need to make the best of it and understanding how we can make ourselves better during this time, under these moments, in this situation. Because, you know, once we come out of this, you know, we're gonna have to be stronger than what we were. Because um, we've seen some unprecedented times, you know, between, you know, in our young early lives before 30, you know, we've been in the pandemic, we've seen 9-11, we've seen so much. And so many of these, um, these life events, these world history events that are gonna be in history books one day. And, um, you know, I don't think that we under never understate the value of, mental health and the value of therapy as Gay talked about. So therapy is something that I want to look into and it helps to, you know, be such close friends with Gabe and, you know, have, you know, counterparts and be, have a personal relationship with you as well, Carla, where people advocate for therapy. So also during this time, I want to tell people that, you know, you have to check on others. I know that, you know, people are going through a lot themselves, but even the small things, you never know who may need it, you know, like you may be doing okay and you may be handling your mental health on your own and, you know, having those coping mechanisms that, you know, Carla talked about, but maybe somebody just needs that text. Maybe somebody, you know, needs you to be able to reach out to them to turn, you know, their day around. Because with those suicide rates going up and, you know, a lot of um, the stress going up and, you know, us being in the pandemic for two, for a year plus now, like, there are going to be relationships with people that, you know, deteriorate unconsciously. And before you know it, they may need your help. You know, so I think yeah. that uh, during this time, you know, we're focused on ourselves, you know, and des deservedly so. But if we do have the strength, if we do have, you know, um, the courage and the time, you know, to reach out to somebody who, you know, may need that or to reach out to somebody who you, who you don't know may need that. Just your inner circle and yeah. making sure that those loved ones around you are, are good. If we start there, then, you know, we'll be able to hang through this because, addressing the core four and you know how to protect ourselves from the vaccine and i mean not from the vaccine but how to protect ourselves from covid and you know and um be physically healthy you know we need to be just as well as uh, mentally healthy also no i respect I that agree. i think that's some real things in that and i 
you said that Gabe is like, he tells you to get therapy or that's a conver ongoing conversation between you all. I have personally looked for therapists for my friends. It is just who I am is to coordinate the essence of who I am. And that's how much I believe in it. But a lot of what we do is with therapy, because I've been seeing a rhetoric on Twitter, like therapy is just you talking to somebody about your problems. But the reality is, is that no one wants to overburden anyone with their problems during this mm -hmm. pandemic. And so going to a therapist allows that open communication with someone who can give you feedback and not only somebody who can give you feedback, but give you the tools to actually confront what you're dealing with. And therapy will not ever be work without us doing the self work. Yeah. You have to do the work. And I always tell people like, if you're going through a major life transition, as Gabe mentioned for me, my, tr my transition was moving to a new city. And I know that's something Kendall is doing now too, but it's, it's, there, it's, it's pretty much imperative at this point that you have a open, honest communication with yourself about what you need and that you have other people advocating as well. And so I don't think it goes understated when Kendall said you should be checking on your friends. Like you have to realize when you don't hear from your friends, sometimes it's not about you, it's about them. And so mm -hmm. it's okay if you have to be the person to understand yourself and be like, how are you doing? Because we all are trying, and then initially during the- Yeah, say that one more time, because somebody need to hear it twice. Say that one more time, somebody need to hear it twice. Like you, it, it is okay for you to reach out to your friends and overextend yourself because we are all going through something. And at the beginning of the pandemic, us as Black people, we were still dealing with the racial injustices going on in America. Mm. Like, just going through two pandemics within itself. And I know that couldn't have been good for anybody's well-being. I know people were protesting. So, like, you're, you're going up against so many different things. So, I think we're just a strong group right now. We're just a very, very strong group group of individuals and we have no choice to come out of this stronger but we have to be understanding that everybody not everybody deals with things the same so we just have to be making sure that we're constantly checking in on people and you know being supportive in those ways because it was a friend who told me to go to therapy she knew that I had went through a breakup and she like, you handling this too well. And then she like, you probably need to go back to therapy. <laughs> she like, you, she's like, you just handle no. this a little too well. <laughs> you probably need to go to therapy. And I'm like, what? And I realized the reason that I was handling it so well is because I was still processing, you know, life as it related to work. Like I, my body felt like you don't have time to deal with this because this is more. You just important. suppressed it. You just suppressed it and moved on to the next thing. So you never actually, you know, moved on. Exactly. I never really dealt with it yeah. because I was already working on the next thing, mm -hmm. not doing the work on them simultaneously. But that's so many people. People have lost close relatives during this time. Can you imagine grieving during this time while still being in isolation, while still dealing with issues of work, navigating working from home or navigating being an essential worker, still going into work daily? Like all of this is challenging. And a lot of people have had friendships and relationships falter during this time. So nobody's going through like everybody's is going through something. And so we just have to be a little bit more cognizant of that and 
I really, I'm really grateful that you all did this podcast because I feel like the truth is that people need to hear that like this pandemic has truly shaped everything as we know it and changed it as we know it. Yeah, I think that it really has. Like, I think I've even noticed myself, like I've told Gabe, you know what I'm saying? I've had conversations with my girlfriend, like, dang, like 2020, I was not myself. You know what I'm saying? Like, I want to get back to myself. And like, you don't even realize like you, I mean, virtually everything we went through last year, you know, in the pandemic when the first initially started and then also the racial injustice, like we were unconsciously depressed, like lifeless at times, you know, just like logging into work, like hope they don't expect nothing from me today because it ain't happening. Like as long as as they know I'm logging in, that's that's the most you're going to get from me today. So I think like those are like things that we've been going through for so long. So like, even for me, I'm like, man, I, I've been shit, damn near anti, it, it felt like for me, you know what I'm saying? And that's like not within my, you know, personality or what I'm comfortable doing. So like, you know, I had to pretty much address it and, you know, diligently work towards, you know, hey, like, what am I going to do to actively get myself out of this? Because with us, you know, going through this pandemic for so long, like it takes actual effort and dedication and like steps in order to like pull yourself out into those routines, back into that structure, you know, even though, you know what I'm saying, we're still in the pandemic. I think that we still need to, you know, provide ourselves some type of structure, some type of like consistency in our lives, you know what I'm saying, to make sure that, you know, we don't fall back into that slump, you know? So I think that uh, these conversations definitely need to be had. And, you know, we just want to always end with the mental health aspect of it because that's something we strongly believe in. You know, Gabe and I as black men, we also definitely cherish like, you know, having those conversations and that communication, you know, from my episodes of how to say I love you in black and, and so forth. So we want to make this a norm, you know, talking about our feelings, talking about, you know, the struggles or um, inequities that we do deal deal with, and especially this mental health during this pandemic. So, but um, if you guys, um, before we end, just want to thank you, Carla, you know, for joining us today. You provide us with incredible knowledge. Um, incredible detail, you know, we, you, we, we see why you earn, <laughs> we see why you earn, you know, your position, you know, why you do such great work for, you know, the, um, for the New York City hospitals and so forth. So um, we can't wait for the people to hear everything that you have to say and providing them knowledge and the core for and continue to, you know, give them hope as we work our way through this pandemic. So, you know, before we wrap up, do you have anything you want to say? Well, first of all, thank you all for having me. At first, initially, when you all said, hey, Kendall approached me with this, I was like, what? I was thinking of so many health providers or clinicians or people in the public health space who could do this. And then I realized I'm in a public health space. Like, um, <laughs> so thank you all for doing this. I think this will be especially educational for people seeking to get more information and just it's just a real honest conversation. I do think the one thing that I want to encourage people is that um, nobody on this earth um, is not connected to someone. And so I know that in our culture or in America and Western civilization, that individual is over family and over community but we're not getting with, out of this thing if we don't stick together and that we don't pay, place the collective over the individual. I know you want to turn up in the club. I know you want to go to concerts. I know you want to, you know, pop out, but 
right now staying safe and staying home and adhering to social distancing and practicing that core four is for someone else who might not survive this thing. And I know we talk about guilt and we talk about losing people. I, I would truly hope that none of us is the reason that somebody else doesn't make it out of this pandemic. We've already lost so many people. And as you all know, our communities are vastly affected a little bit more a lot more actually because of health disparities, um, especially since we're less likely to go to the doctor. In addition to, we're more likely to suffer from chronic diseases within our community and not have them well controlled. So just think about somebody else and think about the importance um, of preserving their life, even if you're relatively healthy. This is about us all continuing on to see another day. You, you don't want someone else to succumb to COVID because you were selfish in that moment. So that's mm. all I have to say. Snaps, snaps, that's what I'm talking about. G, man, talk to me, bro. Oh man, you know, I ain't got nothing. Um, <clears throat> all I'm gonna say is Carla, from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on here and, and just kicking some game to the people, um, answering a ton of my questions, which I know other people kind of share the same. Uh, sentiments is me when it comes to uh, COVID, the vaccine, um, kind of not knowing certain things or being uneducated on certain pieces. So for that, uh, I greatly appreciate you. Um, Kendall, you got anything else? Um, no, I mean, I got nothing except, you know, I, I finally complete, completed my mission of getting Kayla and Carla on the podcast. So in you know, my, I'm good. When y'all picked Kayla, I, had, I needed a bone to pick with y'all. I was like, no, no, no. First of all, Carla, no, don't do that because I reached out to you prior first. Why and you, you told me? Come on together. What? Yeah, I can't. I mean, we wanted some that. balance. We wanted a male and a female balance. So, like, we was trying to interview it, you know. You know, me and Kayla yeah, that's the, only thing. the same on a lot of stuff anyway. We twins. Yeah, I could have got the We really are. Sure. Like, listen. But here's the thing. Here's how we extend content. You know what I'm saying? We had Kayla, you know, talk about, you know, being black in, you know, in corporate America. Now we have Carla. And then, you know, then we can bring you back for the bonus episode. It's that we spread out content, Carla. You know, it's, it's a plan and everything. Okay, right? I, get it, I get it. But I was like, Kayla, for me, Kendall, Kendall, I'm your favorite. We'll, get up. we'll, we'll talk about this another I'll time. Lie. You're right. You're right. <laughs> it's family business. Family business. Thanks but, uh, <laughs> Definitely fairly business, but man, but hey, for all the listeners, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, follow us on Modern Growth on Instagram, and thank you for um, listening to this episode. This will be dropping very, very soon. So, COVID 19, the vaccine, y'all tune in. Modern Growth, we out. Peace. Appreciate you, Carla. Appreciate you. You, you really thugged it out for us, man. Like, from the bottom of my heart, you know, I love you. Appreciate you, man. I'm not going to forget that I did this while sick. Bye, y'all. <laughs> yeah. All right. See you later. All right. You have to grow.